I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to another episode of Wim Radio. Uh, I am your host for this week, Peter. Uh, Kyle, unfortunately, couldn't be here, but hopefully he'll be back uh, next week or in the near future. Um, and tonight we have uh, our standard crew uh, from from recent past, uh, other than Kyle. Uh, so first joining us, we have Sarah. How's it going uh, for you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's really weird that it's April 22nd, because anything I would use to mark the passage of time doesn't exist. Hockey, baseball, people crying on Twitter about the playoffs. So <laughs> time time isn't real. Other than that, everything is going pretty well. Man, I am really glad that we uh, we're starting off on, on a very like kind of shallow note. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, you know, existential crises. Other than that, everything's fine. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, we're keeping it light. Keeping yeah. it light tonight. Also joining us is JJ. How's it going tonight? Uh, it, it, I, I'll, I'll be honest, it is not actually the greatest night ever, but, uh, I'm just going to say it is the greatest night ever, uh, fake it till you make it, right? Exactly. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I was talking to a couple students today, uh, in our Google meets, um, which as we were talking before we record, uh, the optional part, a lot of my students are taking that, uh, you know, and, and really, <laughs> really going with the optional part, um, but it was it was nice to get to talk to some people. And one of the things we were talking about today is just like how like everything feels off, you know, even even when it's not like overly bad, even when it's not like you're overly stressed or something. It's just something just feels weird about, you know, everything changing, you know, working from home for some people, um, you know, all that all that stuff. It, it feels weird. Um, but what doesn't feel weird and this is a horrible segment, a segue, but just go with me, <laughs> is um, we got a great uh, email from one of our readers, um, MC Fubar, uh, who uh, basically wrote in and said, hey, I got an idea for some content you guys can do on the podcast and or articles, etc. And it's really, really good. Um, the idea is uh, to take an in-depth look at Steve Eiserman, you know, what he's done in the past, what he did with Tampa, uh, what could we expect going forward based on his past, uh, you know, inclinations and things that we, you know, kind of patterns or stuff that we could we could look. And the only problem is that it was so in-depth that, like, we were talking before and we didn't really feel comfortable, like, that we could, that we had, you know, enough time to do the research. Um, so our plan going forward is for next week we're going to um, – you know, pick a section of that and, you know, we have the week to kind of do some research and be ready so that we can actually give some factual information and not just like, well, I kind of remember this. Um, so please, if you are, if you are listening and if you have like specific things about Iserman, the Iser plan, et cetera, that you want us to cover, uh, I mean, MC Fubar did a really good job of being in depth, but, uh, you know, there might be something that he didn't think about. So, you know, put that in the comments. Uh, we'll take a look at that and we can uh, talk about that going forward. Um, but there actually has been some news in the NHL today 
uh, and in the last couple days. Um, today, there's an article on NHL.com. Uh, as we record this, it was actually about an hour ago. Um, I think, from what I remember, I think uh, Batman was doing an interview with, I think, Ron McLean, which is where I'm guessing some of this information is coming from. Um, and, oh yeah, because yeah, he was talking to Sportsnet today. So the idea is apparently that um, originally they were talking about playing in non-NHL arenas. They were talking about playing in uh, neutral sites. That was kind of being floated. Uh, today we saw some information that that is dead. That's not going to happen. Uh, but they were talking about um, playing in a couple different cities. Uh, and basically rather than every team playing at home, you would have... You know, like, let's say, you know, hypothetically, you would have Detroit. Obviously, we'll talk about why that's not a good idea. But hypothetically, you know, for our listeners, you know, we have like all the Atlantic Division games take take place in Detroit. Uh, I think they were saying doing like three games a day, etc. So there are definitely obvious problems with this. Uh, So, Sarah, I I know that you I know you definitely have thoughts on uh, some of the potential issues. Uh, So I'm going to throw to you first. So what do you think about the the four arena plan? I think it's a very bad idea. I guess it's not the absolute worst idea they could have. Okay. um, But it's definitely not good. And especially the part where they're like, we really want to finish the regular season. That's ridiculous. And I mean, the playoffs aren't important in the scale of the entire earth either um but wanting to finish the regular season makes me think they're really not taking this seriously um i'm also wondering you know how fast they think they can leap the travel restrictions and get whatever paperwork they needed i don't know if some players have gone home as in not canada or the united states and i mean canada and the united states don't really want each other traveling there anyway um but if there's some players you know, that would take weeks to get permission to leave or not get it at all. I don't know because I'm not a policy expert, <laughs> but that's something that I was thinking about um, earlier. And, you know, no matter what four arenas you're, you pick and no matter what reasoning they give about, well, there's hotels nearby so we can quarantine people all together. So if one of them gets <laughs> sick, they all get sick. It's kind of walking in assuming that no one on the team has coronavirus and that no one would be susceptible to actually getting sick from it and showing symptoms and it's just a really bad idea and irresponsible and i don't care what the money it's always follow the money as i'm sure jj will talk about (laughs) but yeah it's it's a bad idea yeah and i mean one thing that i saw um i've (coughs) sorry i've tried to stay away from reading the news so much, which is hard for me because I am like a news junkie. I'm one of those people who just always wants to know what's going on. I like my standard day. I have like Google news open. I just like refresh it like every 10 minutes because I like, Oh, is there a new, you know, is there a new article about something? Um, and I'm trying, you know, just for my, my health, uh, I'm trying to avoid reading every article that comes up. Uh, but I saw today, um, I don't know if the interview was today or if they're talking about it today um, with, I think, I think it was the mayor of Las Vegas uh, who apparently has this bold strategy of we're just going to open everything up and see what happens. Uh, and, what could go wrong? Yeah. Let's now, send the NHL there too. Now, again, like you said, I am not an epidemiologist, uh, but I don't think that um, 
let's just see what happens is a very good science-based approach. Uh, <laughs> That's how like Jurassic Park happens. Exactly. Um, oh, it got if Jay were here, he would remember the exact quote. Um, JJ, you might you might have it. The uh, was it uh, like we never bothered to ask if we should or something like that. Like like we only bothered to ask if we could. We never stopped to ask if we should. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, so JJ, what are your initial thoughts on this? And we can kind of come back and you know maybe talk about some of the finer points. But you know, what are your initial thoughts about this uh, this idea? I mean, they're they're pretty much along with with Sarah's. You're reading into the article, and Bettman is doing his uh, his his level best to kind of just float the idea out and then talk about all the like and essentially open every door on his way down this hallway that he's walking us through so that he can escape through any means possible. So, um, you know, because he does flat out say uh, at the end of the day, we're going to, you know, listen to the authorities. We're not going to do anything that, that flies in the face of the of what the governments tell us. And that's that's cool. But, you know, you know what the, the government is, is trying to, to tell us. But, yeah, the concept of you've got a 200 players – from I don't know at least five countries, yeah, maybe more than that. Probably even. more than that too, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> from all over the world, they are currently spread out. They are currently not practicing or are playing at the NHL level. Um, you have to figure out how to get them all into these locations, how to secure these locations, how to make certain that in a game where let's face it, the players aren't very clean. They couldn't handle a mumps outbreak a couple of years ago. Every single season, without fail, starting around December and ending basically never, we constantly get a stream of players who have to miss a few games or who have to play through the flu for a few games um, or flu-like symptoms. I mean, we constantly joke about, you know, Jimmy Howard and the got-a-poop game. And... (laughs) And this is something that's uh, that's worse. So I keep on dreaming, keep on hoping, and if you see the opportunity, I hope it's not a strategy. You're welcome, Jeff. I know you're listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see the opportunity, then if, if you can do it safely, great. But, man, my, my faith in the NHL being able to do things right is uh, not very high. Yeah, I mean, this is a league uh, in which um... – you know, Brad Marchand would obviously be the uh, the super spreader. Um, <laughs> they'd be like, well, you know, I mean, you know, he has a track. He, he likes to lick people. What are we going to do? Um, you know, how, you know. Um, uh, and then, yeah, like, <laughs> I know Kyle had mentioned this last this last time. And uh, JJ, you just alluded to this. But like, like one of the defining images of the NHL for me will always be Sidney Crosby in the locker room saying he doesn't have mumps when he looks like the winner of Hungry Hungry Hippos, you know? <laughs> I mean, that will, that will always be one of the funniest. I mean, it's funny because he was okay. You know, obviously, if he got really, really sick, it wouldn't be funny. But it was funny because he was, you know, he, he ended up being okay. But it's like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't have mumps, you know? <laughs> One side of my face is, is twice the size of the other, but I don't have mumps. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's... I, uh, like we talked about, I forget if it was last time or the time before. 
I think the only reason that they're trying to do this, which I mean, is a major, major, major reason is the money aspect of it. You know, if they, if they were just caring about the health of the players, um, you know, the ability to, to do this safely, like they would have canceled the season already because that's, that seems to be clearly what should happen based on everything we've seen. Um, one thing I think could be interesting too is, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get overly political, but the difference between, you know, we have it's a league where you have some teams in America and some teams in Canada. And the difference between the American leadership in terms of pushing to open things up and then you have the Canadian leadership, which doesn't seem to be on the same track. And like, how would that work? You know, how like like how would how would they handle that? Because um, I believe if I remember correctly that the American Canadian border is basically shut down in terms of like yeah. non-essential travel. So are they going to say like, Oh, this hockey player is an essential worker. <laughs> you know, that, that seems ridiculous, but I'm sure that's what they'll try to do if they do do this. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. They will very seriously. I mean, and that's the other thing is the NHL, if the, if the NHL really starts leaning on the leadership in Canada, I think that they've got a better shot of getting, them to uh, make concessions or, or find ways to, to get away with it. I mean, ultimately, the other thing they could do is just say, well, a Canadian team's not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Oh, well, we're <laughs> used to that by now. <laughs> uh, I guess I, uh, what I want to re- reiterate above everything else is that uh, pandemic or not, like this kind of goes, this is one of the, my, my truths about watching hockey. I really do want to watch hockey. I want hockey to be going on right now. Mm. But whether it's a pandemic or whether it's um, repeated head trauma, whether it's uh, a known heart condition, I don't want to watch a hockey game and go, I'm like, man, is somebody going to die? Yeah. And that's where I am right now. If they roll out a plan that says, yeah, sure, we're going we're gonna to try to be careful, but this is happening. Right now, my concern is, oh, man, are people going to die because of this decision? Mm. And, and until I'm, uh, I'm at a place where I can – not have that. I mean, because always you reckon you watch the sport. Part of the the joy of the sport is that there is a, a, a bit of danger there, and you you don't ever want to see it. But yeah, you kind of want to see big hits, and you want to see the the skill that's on, on display when these guys are going ninety miles an hour down the ice. Um, but there's a limit. Like I I don't want to. I don't want the the feeling in the pit of my stomach that we're just needlessly endangering lives just so we can watch hockey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And if if they make this like concussion protocol, which they never listen to, yeah. you know, what are they going to do if, you know, again, like if Sidney Crosby has a fever, hmm. he'll be like, no, I don't. Hmm. He'll be like sweating, like breathing into <laughs> like a, you know, ventilator and be like, no, I don't have it. I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Yeah. You know, we can't trust NHL players to be truthful about their health. Yeah. Even when it's not, you know, this serious. So what chance do they possibly have to even do this plan right at all? Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Zero chance. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I, I don't want to make light of, you know, the very serious, you know, uh, issue with people that, that, that get this. But, it all, like, it almost seems like the NHL would have, like, no, no, Sidney, Sidney Crosby's in a prone position on the bench because he's feeling lightheaded, you know? I mean, like, like it doesn't matter how ridiculous it is, mm-hmm. you know? They just feel like, oh, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so, hypothetically yeah. speaking, though, just – I, I think that we have well covered that, that none of us are very comfortable with it, yeah. but 
They, basically what they're talking about is maybe a few cities. I've seen it kicked around that essentially every division would have the one city they're playing in. And so if you're looking at the Atlantic, you're looking at kind of a, a limit. Like you can't do Boston. You probably can't do Toronto. Mm. You definitely don't want to do Florida. Yeah. Um, Buffalo isn't uh, isn't necessarily a bad choice because it's close to the border. It's nobody ever wants to go there anyway. Um, they are mentioning Detroit, which is I mean Michigan is is uh, stuck in the middle of this and not being able to do very well. But what you're looking for logistically is, and that's kind of why uh, Detroit is getting kicked around. Like Stephen Wino uh, had a tweet that uh, that Jeff shared for us. Says, start thinking places like Buffalo, Columbus, Detroit, and Newark that have practice rinks at NHL arenas and hotel setups nearby. Maybe six teams in each location by divisions or ish to finish regular season and go on to playoffs. And honestly, if you can do it safely, like I am worried about the, the number of cases in Detroit. But if you're looking at you've got the LCA and you've got nearby the Belfort Training Center, and since you're not going to have fans either way, you could be running games in both those areas. You have hotels nearby, and based on the way Detroit has kind of evolved over the years, being able to set up a pretty tight, a, a decently tightly quarantined corridor for all of the players to go basically from hotel to LCA or Belfort and then back without without uh, needlessly uh, exposing them or uh, them to people or people to them, uh, it is doable. It's just, you know, we have to constantly go back to the, we just can't trust that they'll, they'll be able to do it right. Yeah. And then, I mean, one thing I was thinking of as you were talking about this is, you know, you know one of the, one of the places that he mentioned is Newark. And I mean, I live, 45 minutes from there, you know, and that's all that's pretty close to the epicenter of New Jersey's outbreak. You know, that's like Bergen County is where the the most cases are. Um, and Newark's, you know, pretty close to that area. Um, like, like the, the issue is, is that in order to do this right, you would have to have like testing every day, like test every player every day. Uh, but then not just that, like anybody who works in the arena, like every every member of the staff and like part of it too is like now you're going to be using tests that could be used for people you know in the general population you know what i mean because it's not a finite resource you know so is is it worth devoting those resources to professional sports as opposed to the general public you know i think that's a that's a question too that i was thinking as you were talking i don't know it's it's tough. I mean, it, like like every time every time I hear like, oh, here's how this might work, I can usually come up with like at least one reason that's like, oh, but this is why I shouldn't. You know, this is why it shouldn't happen. Um, so I don't yeah, know. yeah. Um, JJ, real quick before we move on to the next topic, I had a question for you because I know I've seen this mentioned, um, and I know you you're somebody who knows a lot more about this than I do. Um, one of the issues that's being you know addressed is why the players would want to do this, and I think you had you had talked about this either last time or the time before, um, is the idea of escrow, right? So how how would this affect like if the season's canceled, how does that affect the players in that regard? Well, since revenue split is fifty fifty, they they're talking about the if if everything goes bad and they have to cancel and, and give up on everything the league i think i saw somewhere is is looking at coming short of their revenue projections by 1.2 billion dollars 
So that's a haircut for the players of $600 million. Mm. Well, the salary cap is set on... It, it's set based on projected revenues. Yeah. And projected costs, because it is what they split is revenues after hockey-related costs are, are cut off. So... They have done. They do a formula every year, and then the players decide. You know, here's they can put in an escalator on this formula. If the NHL says, "Oh no, we we only think we're going to earn four billion," but the players go, "Well, no, last year we earned four billion. I, th- I think we're going to be able to, to inflate that by some." So there's some math involved, but essentially the, the salary cap and player salaries are set by expectations that right now we can bet are going to fall short. Yeah. And the CBA says, well, it's not the the owners aren't going to take the haircut if we fall short. Everybody is going by the end of the day, it's going to be 50 50. There's tons of little ways that things get cheated in that. And that's why we get lockouts. Mm -hmm. But the players get paid guaranteed regardless with the caveat that when revenues come up short of the expectations that the salary cap was built on, the players owe them back. So they are required to keep an escrow fund. Part of their pay, part of every paycheck goes into this fund that the NHLPA keeps, and then at the end of the season, when all the accounting is finished, they figure out did all of the players get paid too much based on the revenues we actually came in, and if that's the case, then that escrow is there to make sure that the owners, um, you know, aren't having to feed their uh, horses <laughs> cheaper caviar than usual. <laughs> I was wondering where they were going that would, with that. <laughs> that. That would be un, that would be unfair. So, in the first couple of years that the the salary cap existed, the players actually got underpaid according to the cap dollars, and they got all their escrow dollars back. And the owners had to cut the NHLPA a check that all the players got that said, "Here's your bonus money." Uh, since then, and since uh, you know the 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 downturns in the market and whatnot. The NHL has not come across uh, very big boons, and the players have owed back in escrow. Now, I'm I'm of the financial decision that uh, opinion that the players having to pay back escrow, uh, they're still they should still be in control of what happens to those escrow dollars while they're holding them. They shouldn't have as big of a problem with escrow as they do. But if you're not fully trained on how the most efficient use of the of your dollars, escrow is a pain in the ass. It feels like a pay a pay cut and it's just not something that you know 24 year olds in the prime of their lives that don't really want to have to worry about financial crap want to have to deal with so if the season does not resume the players could be looking at giving back a whole lot of their salary from this last year and that's going to hurt that's going to really unfairly impact a lot of guys because the average nhl players earning years are so short yeah. So I mean, imagine if if you're only going to be in the league for four years, and this was one of them. Well, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I mean, there's a lot of you know, this is definitely like a big issue. Um, and you can you know when you start to look at this, you can definitely see why the push is to try to find a way to salvage some of this season. Um, but at the same time, like we said, you know. 
it's it's really tough when you look at it from a logical health standpoint to see how they could make this work. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe the, by the time we record next week, we'll have we'll have more information. I guess we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Plus, and I'll, I'll remember what I brought up last last week too. Yeah. That the league that figures out the way to basically come out in front of this and get people watching live games again, regardless whether or not it's in person, that has the potential to be a big boon for that league going decades into the future. Mm. This is a big opportunity for the, whichever league essentially figures out how to get fan interest first. And so losing out on that possibility is would be kind of a huge loss, but... There's so much risk associated with, with taking these these decisions. Right. Okay, um, we're going to take a quick break there, um, and we'll be back in just a minute. We're going to talk about uh, the NHL draft. Wim Radio, ad timeout. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, let's play. And we're back. Um, before the break, we were talking about the idea of the NHL coming back uh, sometime. I believe the uh, the potential date I saw was around July is like the proposed. I don't, I don't know if that was a separate proposal. Um, but yeah, I've seen like, you know, the potential season resumption in July, according to this other article that I pulled up, which is uh, Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic. Um, what he did is he heard. Uh, uh, on a okay, I'll just read this section of the uh, of the article. So a day after the league told GMs on a call that it was considering holding the draft in June before a possible season resumption in July, it was very much the talking point of the industry. So he reached out to, he says, front office sources on 25 different NHL teams on Wednesday. And he says the negative feedback outweighed the positive, but there were also many mixed responses. Um, Some of these good things, uh, for example, Jim Hill uh, seemed to be on the positive side of this. Um, but then uh, when he said uh, there was pushback, uh, there is a quote, um, a couple quotes here. Um, it's the dumbest thing ever, said one team executive. I really, really, really wish I knew who that was. Um, somebody said, don't like it. Uh, too many draft decisions are based on how we evaluate our team's performance in the playoffs. And then the last one is, I hate it, <laughs> said another. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, it seems like the people that are against this are really against it because um, there wasn't any quotes in here that were like overwhelmingly positive. They say he said a lot of the people were mixed um, and it seems like there were like the, a lot of the negative people are very, very, very negative about this. Um, so, JJ, um, what what I'm trying to think of a better way to say, like, what do you think? Like, you know, I'm like Chris Farley. <laughs> 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 um 
but I, I, I get, yeah, I guess we'll just start off with like your initial reactions, and then um, we'll see. Depending on what what comes up, we can kind of go deeper on some of these uh, specific issues. But like, you know, what's your initial thoughts of this idea of holding a draft before the season is over? Um, I'm of three minds, and the very first mind is that I am a fan of the D- the Detroit Red Wings before anything else. So. It wouldn't be before our playoffs, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> I want to know as soon as possible which kid I am heaping all of my expectations on for the next five years. <laughs> and I want to know right now. So screw your idea. Screw your complaints about I want to find out how we go in the playoffs before we figure out drive. You're not going to – if you – have a team that you expect to go deep in the playoffs anyway, then who the hell you're, whoever you're drafting in 2020, you don't care about them for three years anyway. Get over it. Whiners. <laughs> um, as a fan of NHL players, I think that if I were an 18 year old getting ready to be drafted before the team I was about to draft were even like going into the playoffs, I would want to be able to sign my ELC right then and there and be able to join the playoffs. Hmm. Now that's not going to happen. Hmm. There's a million reasons why not, but uh, I don't care. Hmm. Uh, I'm a fan of the players before I'm a fan of uh, your stupid CBA rules. Yeah. And then as a fan of hockey, I do kind of understand the concept of it doesn't make sense, whatever. Uh, but that's my third mind. And everybody knows your third mind is your dumb one. So <laughs> screw it. Let's get the draft going right now. Awesome. So actually, yes. Yeah, so, so we have a proposal for even earlier. Um, I believe April twenty third. Uh, JJ, yeah. JJ is like, let's do the draft right now. Um, I mean, we have we have had plenty of time to get Sarah's idea uh, set up, right? <laughs> yes, the correct idea. Exactly as a, as it always is. Um, so so Sarah, you know, what do you think about having the draft uh, before? the end of the regular season slash playoffs if it does happen that way. So in the the article you mentioned, all of the people who said it's a good idea, their arguments in favor were, seem to overwhelmingly be, it gets the fans back. People will be interested. We'll get attention. Mm-hmm. And not, this strategically is a good idea for my team. <laughs> it, pay attention to me. <laughs> Fuck all the other sports. We're back. <laughs> While the, I mean, I hate it is not, is also not necessarily a strategic. Yeah. (laughs) And um, something else is, you know, if teams with a lot of draft picks, not the Red Wings, of course, we're going to trade, like roster players are going to be involved in a trade for draft picks. You know, what do you do then? You do you just kind of, I guess that's also makes it interesting. It's like, okay, we're going to do it. And we're going to bank that that guy's not going to get hurt during the season. Mm-hmm. He'll be fine. You know, or they say, you're not allowed. You're, you have all your draft picks. Deal with it. Mm. You love six rounders. <laughs> so, I think Montreal has a whole bunch. But, you know, mm. fuck Montreal, as yeah, we all know. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, so I'm, I haven't heard a convincing reason of why it should be early other than we want hockey. We want it. We need it. Um, but I mean, we don't need it. We want it. Yeah. Um, so until I'm, I hear a convincing reason and understand how it's going to work, 
because I don't trust the NHL to pull off two new and wild plans at the same time in terms of like having the season and then also figuring out this new draft. I don't trust them to do either one of those things (laughs) on their own, let alone both together. Um, So I'm going to say wait, but I'm also have been saying cancel the season. So cancel the season and then now, and then you can still have the draft in June. Yeah. Just give the Red Wings the first pick. (laughs) Um, We earned it. And if they're worried that a, you know, team on like a bubble team is going to get a really high pick and then win the Stanley Cup just give the Red Wings the first five picks and then you don't have to worry about it exactly because everything will be fair and square so <laughs> give the Red Wings all the top picks and cancel the season and have the draft in in uh, in June problem solved yeah they're, they're... and do my draft of mailing the jerseys to the players yes exactly um I mean, it, it is very hard to argue with that. Uh, that is a very convincing argument from my perspective as a Red Wings fan. Um, as you were as you were mentioning your, uh, your your proposed NHL motto, it reminded me of something I wanted to try to find a way to, to fit into the conversation, and I think this is a perfect fit. Um, with all of the, you know, now that I'm home watching, or not even just watching, but like just kind of having it on in the background, uh, way more TV than I normally consume. Um, I, I'm just blown away at how every single, uh, company seems to have the same advertisement out right now. Um, and I, I kind of am waiting for the NHL version. You know, it's like, we know you're having trouble. We know that this is a stressful time, you know, and then blah, 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 all that standard stuff. But now we have the ending because now we have fuck the other sports. We're the NHL. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh my God, that would be, that would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, I, as you were talking, I was thinking the exact same thing. I can't trust them not only to do a new plan well, I can't trust them to do an existing plan well. So, uh, you know, I mean, how many years have they been trying to make the NHL awards be interesting? And how many years has it been an abject failure? Um, I think it's 100%. So, uh, yeah, so draft in June, like you said, season over, give the Red Wings all the picks. Um, you know, like I, like I've been saying, the, the draft lottery is predicated on an 82 game season. And if we don't have an 82 game season, we obviously can't have a draft lottery. It would not be fair. Um, and for no other reason than we should just award the Red Wings, the number one draft pick. Uh, I think it's really obvious. Um, <laughs> but we're going to now move into some Red Wing specific talk. So one of the things that has, uh, people have been talking about is the, uh, the RFA situation for Detroit. So, um, basically what I think we can do, I pulled up cap friendly here and we can just kind of go down the list and talk about all the potential RFAs and like what we, what we think is going to happen. Uh, obviously we can go in different directions there. Um, so we'll start off with the ones that are listed on the Red Wings roster. Uh, and then eventually we will get down to the ones that are on the Griffins, um, and, or, Non, well, I guess, yeah, non-roster would be Griffins and maybe other minor league teams. So the first one, and honestly, I think this would probably be the, the one that would provoke the most conversation, is Anthony Mantha, right? So he is uh, 25 years old. He's coming off a, a contract that earned him $3.3 million a year. Uh, he will be an RFA uh, either now or after the current season is over if it continues. And he's he's probably going to be the most interesting case, in my opinion. Uh, so, Sarah, what are your th- some thoughts on Anthony Mantha here? 
Yeah, I agree that it's it's interesting because he, he is arbitration eligible. Um, and on the one hand, trading Athanasiu, you know, takes that decision away. So, you know, we it's not getting money back, but it is kind of in not having to make that decision. Um, you know, it's it's tough because we still have that standard set of Darren Hell making 3.85 and Abby making four, over four, Franz Nielsen making over five and doing absolutely nothing. Um, you know, and then Larkin sets the top at 6.1. So it's kind of, do they put, what, what level do they put Mantha on? Um, you know, does he want more than Larkin? Because he's not a hometown discount so much, you know, or, and is it how, you know, how long is that deal? Cause he has a little bit of injury history because he mm-hmm. punches people too, a little too often. Um, but yeah, I can't even, I'm not even sure what, what amount he would ask. Um, if it, if I was dealing with Ben Holland, I would be like, Oh, Mantha's going to get like five years, seven point three million but we're not dealing with ken holland so i just don't know what how much they're going to be and maybe one of you guys has an opinion about what it what that contract could be but i i mean definitely sign him yeah that's no, a no-brainer for <laughs> yeah. me is sign him sign him uh, yeah jj what are you thinking about for specifics for mantha because i was thinking as we go through i don't think we'll just go every single one in this, you know, in this amount of depth, because it'll take another hour. Uh, but yeah, so Mantha's, you know, definitely going to be the most important one. So what are you thinking um, for his contract or, you know, the, the entire situation, I guess? Yeah, the most important and kind of the most complex, because he is a very big boomer bust. Like, like Sarah said, with trading out to see you, it, it seems much clearer that they want Mantha to be part of the team going forward. Um, he does have the injury history, but he's also got the, uh, if he stops getting injured, which I mean, at some point they do, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's there, there's always the unknown about whether or not he's just always going to get spend every season, some on the injured list or whether or not he's, he's not. I mean, I remember early in their careers, um, Injuries were supposed to completely derail both Henrik Zetterberg and Nick Cronwall. And, yeah, injuries eventually caught up to them. But uh, I would say that they had fruitful careers uh, despite those those early injury troubles. And so um, Manta is two years away from hitting UFA eligibility. So he's almost certainly not getting a two-year contract. Uh, there's no way that Eisenman is going to do that. Do they sign him for one year, kick the can down the road, and see what what happens there? I don't think so, because I don't think it makes sense for the Red Wings to do that. So how much are they going to have to spend to buy one or two of his UFA years, knowing that the risk that they're taking in in not only buying those UFA years um, is that the injuries are do continue to be bad, and then they're kind of stuck with him longer than they otherwise would have had to have been. So I do think he probably does get a, a, a four or even five or maybe even six-year deal at a, at a decent price. I think whatever happens, I'm going to be happy with the, the contract that Mantha signs. But there's a lot of ways to, to make the yeah, contract I, happen. I didn't 
take the time to do this for every player because uh, again obviously that would extend it for, you know this this podcast until like midnight um but i did go into the cap friendly contracts uh comparable uh tool and i put in um you know some of mantha's information uh his age his uh his position um you know that he he would be signing as an rfa um and uh you know, you have, they have an option for games played and points scored up until that, you know, that that point of the contract. Um, and so I ran it and I put in a a, a cap hit of six million. Uh, the reason I did that is because that seemed to be, you know, e- either five or six million seemed to me like like probably a decent um, starting point. You know, I like like obviously I think it. I don't think it would be less than five million. I think it could be more than six million, but I don't think it would be like substantially more. Um, and in the comparables, uh, the ones that came up, I'll, I'll go down from the top. We have Logan Couture, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, Matthew Shane, Mark Shifley. Uh, and then the fifth most comparable is Dylan Larkin. And so I took a look at this one. And, and the Larkin one's interesting because when he signed his contract, um, let me pull it up. So he had 140 points in 242 games played. Mantha has 173 points in 260. So basically... 18 more games, but then like 30 more points. Um, so this is a really interesting one to me because I think as far as the injuries go, I see this past injury as being different than the previous ones. Um, because the like if you if you look at it like on first glance, obviously the first, you know, the, the previous two were from fighting where he went in and punched people and broke his hand on somebody's helmet, right? This one, I went back and watched this and it seemed like he was going in to try to like stand up for his teammate, but he wasn't going in and just like starting throwing punches. Like it seemed like he was going in and just trying to like grab uh, Muzzin and just kind of do that thing where they kind of hold him, you know, like, like that happens 80 times a game in front of the net. Um, and then again, obviously, as we talked before on the podcast, you know, Muzzin, you know, I think it's it's incredibly underrated around the league about how how cheap of a shot this was. Like this was bush league what he did to him. And mm-hmm. so, in my opinion, I don't think you can really like I don't lump that in with the other ones. Uh, at the same time, it's still an injury, right? And every time a player gets injured, that's a potential for you know something that's going to linger, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if 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 it wasn't for that, and he played the whole season you know, barring like little minor injuries and he was on the same pace, et cetera, I would be pushing a hundred percent for like a six year deal. Um, I don't like going seven years. I don't like going eight years unless it's like a Connor McDavid, you know, an Austin Matthews, a Sidney Crosby. Um, I, I love Larkin. Like I, w- I would have been, I wouldn't, I didn't want us to give him seven years or eight years. Um, I just don't think there's a lot of value there. Most of the contracts that are signed at that length, they don't give you as much value as you'd want. Um, like JJ said, I don't really, I mean, there's no way they're going to give him a two-year deal. That, that makes absolutely no sense. Right. Um, and I really would be surprised if they only gave him a one-year deal. The only way that would make sense to me would be the idea of kind of trying to hedge your bet against the injury. Um, I, I don't know. I was looking at this as probably like in the five-year range, probably about 6 million. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if it was more. The only reason I think it might not be more, because I think he's worth more, would be that Larkin is getting paid 6.1. You know, it's the idea is like, is somebody going to get paid more than Dylan Larkin? Um, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if that's the... I, I don't know. I Like, 
I don't know enough about like the internal locker room dynamics to know if that would be a problem. Um, I don't think it would be. Like, I don't think Dylan Larkin would be like, oh my God, he's getting paid, you know, 6.5. I hate him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to not play well or something like that. Like, I don't think it's a business. I don't think it would really matter. Um, but my guess is going to be five years around 6 million. Um, but we'll see. That's, that, that's going to be the, like I said, that's definitely the most interesting one for me. Um, I think from here on, it'll probably make sense to maybe do it in tiers. So I think the next tier would be um, <laughs> the what? I'll start crying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll start crying. There will be tears. Um, so I would say probably the next tier is going to be Tyler Bertuzzi, right, who is coming off a $1.4 million deal. And I would put in that same tier like Robbie Fabry, right, because Robbie Fabry came in and really produced well for the team. Uh, compared to the other people that are listed as forwards. Uh, none of them, I think, have the offensive upside that he does. Um, obviously, Bertuzzi's proven a lot for the team already, more so than Fabry so far. But Fabry seems to be kind of in that in that group where he seems to be one of those players that Detroit would want to bring back and would want to kind of make part of the team going forward. That's just my opinion. So, uh, JJ, I'll go to you first. Like, What do you think about those two guys? Well, I I want to give a, a spoiler that my opinion on all twelve of the Red Wings RFAs is that we should resign them. But yeah, I, I I'll say that Bertuzzi and Fabry are right in there in the it's a duh kind of thing. You just have to figure out the the uh, the the logistics for how long is it going to be and how much is it going to be for. Um, I, I don't foresee those being terribly difficult to to work out um, deals for for Eiserman. Again, it's the be willing to buy a, a year or so of, of UFA or two years of, of UFA. Uh, probably wouldn't go beyond three on on either of them. But honestly, you may just you may just want to bridge both of them or, or either. It's another one of those like I'm. I'm I'm in a weird spot where I'm still in the the Eiserman honeymoon where I'm not so worried about the details of all these little things where I think that he is in danger of um basically setting up his pieces wrong right now uh for what he's going to what he's going to need available to him in two or three years when we anticipate uh hopefully being able to move from the hey we don't we don't suck and hey we are capable of making the playoffs to Hey, we actually really would like to be start being looked at as contenders. Um, I'm actually not worried about that. So uh, again, whatever Eiserman signs them yeah. to, I think I'm I gonna think like it. For me, Bertuzzi's probably the probably the the most uh, second to Mantha. Bertuzzi's the most interesting one to me on the team, um, just because he's kind of one of those players. Like I wonder if he is more valuable to Detroit than he would be more valuable to other teams. If that makes sense, like, like, I don't know if he's like kind of a product of like, I, okay, I don't want to make it sound like he's only doing well because of the players he's around. I, I don't mean it like that, but I just mean kind of mean like, like, this is like the perfect situation for him. Obviously, he has the history, you know, with with uh, with Todd Bertuzzi being here. Um, you know, it seems to be like a really, really good fit for him in a lot of ways. Um he kind of strikes me as one of the players where if if and I don't think we would, but like if he went to another team, I don't like I don't know if he would kind of be having the same success as he's having here. Maybe maybe also because maybe on another team he might not be given the same opportunity. 
you know, he might not be, you know, like, you know, he's playing on the top line. Uh, you know, if you take him and you put him on the third line, is he going to be producing as much? Um, I, mean, I think he's a, I think he's a darn good player. I think he, he brings a lot to the table. Um, and I think he's one of those really well-rounded players that you could kind of put anywhere, but I'm just, I don't know. Like that's, that's kind of like my initial thought is that I think he's more valuable to Detroit than he would be otherwise. Um, but I mean, obviously, I still think we we should you know 100% sign him. Um, the only thing I would be be curious about would be the length. Like like, I wouldn't want to sign him as long as Mantha. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could see three years, even four. I don't think four would be bad. I probably wouldn't want to go beyond that, uh, especially because you know he's a physical player. You know that type of player. Um, sometimes you know, they kind of burn themselves out just, you know, playing hard every night. So um, I definitely don't want to give him longer than that. But I think, you know, I guess we'll see. Uh, Sarah, what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I pretty much I agree with what you're saying about um, Bertuzzi and that he this is probably the best team for him. You know, we've we've been on the other end where we've kind of sent players off who then found their stride because they just it, they just didn't work with us. Um, you know, and now we've seen Robbie Fabry do the opposite. He came here and just exploded into a great player. Um, so definitely re-sign them both. Um, Robbie Fabry, you know, would be, I wouldn't sign him to anything long-term. You know, we want to make sure that next season he is just as good as he was this season. Um, to me, I think Tyler Bertuzzi's proven himself. He makes the people he plays with better. He make, I mean, he brings a lot of energy, which mm-hmm. is cliche, but it's still important. Um, so, you know, I, I think kind of that three to four years, probably three years for me, um, I think is just yeah. the right fit. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely see that. I think uh, what you're saying definitely makes sense with Fabry in terms of um, I would I would want to, to see him prove that he can do what he did long, you know, a little bit longer term before committing, you know, like a four year deal to him. You know, I'd like to see like maybe a one or two year deal to see if he can still do it. Um, I would be. I don't want to say confident. I would be optimistic that he could continue what he's doing. Like, I don't think it was like some type of fluke. Like he showed to me, like he is a good player. Um, and I think he, he just didn't have the right situation in St. Louis with all these players, you know, all these other players in front of him. He came here, he had the opportunity and he ran with it. Um, so rounding out the forwards, we have um, Adam Ernie, Brendan Perlini, Chris, uh, Chris, uh, Christopher N., and Dimitri, uh, I always want to say Dimitri, uh, Dimitro Timoshov. So on this one, I'll go first and I'll say like, to me, the most interesting of these is Timoshov, uh, because I really did like what I saw out of him in bursts. Uh, I wasn't, I, I wasn't able to see him do anything really great, like on a sustained level. Uh, but at the same time, for what I remember, like he wasn't you know, if you look at the line mates he was playing with most of the time, you know, he wasn't really given, you know, every opportunity to succeed, basically. So I would definitely want to see what he can do in a more consistent role going forward. Um, the other ones for me are basically just depth guys. I don't really care one way or the other with them. Um, I think as long I mean, I don't think any of them were, are going to cost a lot. And I think any of them... If you sign them and there's a player that's better than them, you can just put them down in the minors and it's not going to be a big deal. Um, like if, you know, if somebody claimed Adam Ernie off waivers, I wouldn't be, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Um, not that you want to lose somebody for nothing, but, you know, it's it, I don't think it would be some great loss. Um, 
So, Sarah, I know I, you were just talking about. I'll come back to you real quick for these guys. Uh, is there anybody that sticks out in there that you're interested in? Um, or what's going on with those guys? I mean, I like Christopher N. Just, and But it's biased because he's just one of those guys who's just there. And okay. I, re- I have a soft spot for the guys who are just, like, there. And they just kind of do whatever. And then they leave and they come back and it's fine. But you don't need a lot of them. And I feel like <laughs> that list is all of them uh but it, we have money um and depending on how you know much 4d chess steve is doing about trade bait seattle bait, um you know what if he wants to you know have someone like mm-hmm. dimitro timishoff and be like look look how great he is who wants that for draft picks um you know so if he if he's going to kind of place a bet on some of these players i mean i think brendan perlini was a disappointment. I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> because he wasn't Robbie Fabry. That was the problem. Is that Robbie Fabry was so good it made Brendan Perlini look not good. Um, mm-hmm. Adam Ernie's fine. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's just there. Just one of those guys who's there. Um, so I would not be upset to sign <laughs> all of them. I would not be upset to lose all of them. Um, the, the guys who are there. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All right, JJ, what are your thoughts on, quote, the guys who are there, trademark, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, basically the, the perfect description of them, and that's why I, I, I re-sign all of them. Like, uh, one of the ones you didn't mention was uh, Dominique Turgeon, mm-hmm. who, for me, would be the easiest one to just part ways with. But what these guys represent, it's a numbers game. What these guys represent is guys who are there. Right now, the Red Wings have 23 contract slots going into next season. They have to fill a roster of, of 23 NHL players. They have to have players to send to Grand Rapids. They have a 50 contract limit. These spaces have to be filled by somebody. Yeah. Now, where Detroit is as a team is th- this collection of, of guys is not good enough to, to drive Detroit to the next level. But if we sign only... The obvious RFA re-signing. Anthony Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi, Robbie Fabry, and Evgeny Shvechnikov at forward. Then what we're looking at is next season we are making full-time NHLers out of Joe Valeno, Michael Rasmussen, and Giovanni Smith. And then you have that you have 14 forwards that way. The very next call-up is Chase Pearson. <laughs> After that, nobody. Mm. You've got whoever you've drafted. Mm. That is not the way NHL teams operate. So, sure, what we're working on right now is we are going to need to get better players into the system. You're not getting those better players through UFA. You're getting expensive players. You may get players that can perform marginally about the same, sure, but you're not vastly improving your team through any other means other than just trading them for a guy, other guys that just take up space just to move shit around. Yeah. Um Right now, what we're waiting for is we're waiting for guys like Franz Nielsen, Justin Adlicator, eventually uh, Darren Helm, and these space fillers to be replaced by people who are better at hockey than they are, uh, bring more value. And that's what we're working on right now. But in the meantime, we kind of need these guys to get pushed out naturally rather than just jettisoning them because, well, I don't like Adam (laughs) Ernie's face or whatever. Um, Plus, yeah, Christopher Ann's got, he's got this weird, like, Billy Idol energy about him that I can't place, but I really like him. <laughs> um, 
for no good reason. So give him a $7 million deal. There we go. I mean, you got to spend the money on somebody, right? Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mention Dominic Turgeon because I was going to do the, the non-roster players as a separate group. But um, with the players we have left, I'm just going to do one more group. Uh, I'm not saying they're all technically in the same group, um, but just because, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this. So the players that we haven't talked about, we have Madison Bowie. Um, we have Taro Hirose, uh Evgeny Sveshnikov, um, and Kyle Wood, who I forgot was a thing. Um, <laughs> if you had told me, if you had asked me a trivia question, is Kyle Wood a Detroit Red Wings player or property? I would have had to guess. <laughs> I would have been, I would have been flipping a coin. I, I do not remember him being on the team. Um, so JJ, out of those players, is there anybody that you're interested in? Like, I mean, I, I have a couple ideas, but like, is there anybody that you're really interested in? Like what's going to happen to that player going forward? I mean, Kyle Wood is the most versatile club you can have in your bag. So, <laughs> yeah, get you out of the rough, get you on out of the water. Even you're allowed to hit a Kyle Wood out of a uh, water hazard. Uh, no, uh, Taro Hirose, because I just like him. I root for him, um, but I I do not know. I I heard somebody call him essentially the the uh, passing Tamu Polkanen, and that kind of it. It hurt me physically to read that because it was accurate. Um, And that is actually in our quick hits. Uh, I think it's Chuck and Nux, but I I don't know. Uh, Look that person up and give them credit for for that painfully accurate description of Taro Hirose because I don't want it to turn true. Um, But if it does, it's just going to be another one of those. Like, I still own that I uh, really, really liked Derek Meech, mm-hmm. and so he's it, Hiroshi is just going to end up in that category for me. Uh, I don't have to have shame over that. <laughs> you can't make you can't make me feel bad for liking Hiroshi. So uh, Stanley Cup winner, great, love it. Yeah, and there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it was chucking chucking nucks. And uh, he called him the, the passing version of Ferk, which is basically the same thing. Oh, the passing Ferk. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, same thing, because Ferk was basically just pulking him. Exactly. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, Sarah, out of those players, is there anyone that you're overly interested in or have a, a very good joke about? Because I know, I, I know that the segment's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> well, we... If anyone remembers my bold predictions for the season, they were really, I really hitched my horse to Tara Hirose, and now I just look like a complete idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of need him to succeed just to restore my pride, <laughs> Oh man. if nothing else. I don't even want to go back and look at those. I'm sure mine are absolutely dreadful. I mean, it was bold. It was just boldly incorrect. Yeah. Um, Madison Bowie, sure, sign him. I don't care. <laughs> like, he's... Because we just, you know, we're the same thing as the forwards. We need guys who are there. Um, With Svechnikov, I really think this season is kind of his last chance to to really make it. Um, So I would expect him to get a lot of time. I could also be completely wrong and look like an idiot again. That would not be new territory for me. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm kind of with J.D. sign people, whatever. But you know, no, yeah. no long-term deal for any any of those guys. That would that would be silly. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough on the one hand because, like, for me, I I don't get what people see in Madison Bowie. Um, I mean, I've seen kind of flashes of he looks like he could be, 
you know, a decent player. Um, I want to say it was Prashant that said this. I could be totally wrong. Um, but I think he's, he talked about Madison Bowie as the type of player that knows what to do, but he does it a half a second too late. Was it was that Prashant? I, or, um, I, um, it sounds smart enough to be, yeah. to be him. It sounds so. accurate. And I, it it like, sounds yeah. very right. Exactly. Like, it, he reminds me. And, and this is a completely unfair comparison because he is in vastly better shape and is a vastly better athlete than I ever was. But, you know, I grew up playing soccer. I played soccer for like 25 years um, for part of those years at like a pretty high level. And so, like, I know what should happen in a soccer game. Like, if I'm watching a soccer game, I know exactly, like, if you pause it, I'm like, okay, this guy should go here, this guy should go here. You know, they should, you know, here's the, here's the passing options, et cetera. Like, I, I know it on that level. If I went out there and tried to play <laughs> right now, my brain would know what to do, but my body would be like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> you know, and so it's kind of like that, but obviously on a much closer level to be being able to do it. Um, and so I can completely identify with that. I think that's a really good thing. Like, I don't think he's like a bad player. I just don't think he's good enough to be an everyday NHL player. He is the human equivalent of, yeah, well, the jerk store called and they're out of you. <laughs> it's like, that, yeah, yeah, he, he gives the puck away <laughs> and he, tur- he does a U-turn. <laughs> Damn it, what I should have done is I should have passed over to the right. Uh, that's the only Seinfeld reference I actually can do, so I'm, I'm patting myself on the back for that one. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think I, it's uh, to, to tie on to what Sarah said, I think Svechnikov's going to be very interesting as well. Um, I went into this season thinking that this is his last season to kind of prove one way or the other. And obviously with the season ending question mark the way it did, I mean, I think he's going to kind of be one of the ones that kind of got really screwed um, in terms of that. But at the same time, like he didn't do anything that, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, he didn't really do anything. You can just end it there. Yeah. Exactly. He didn't, he do, didn't anything. do anything. He grabbed the reins and yeah. Story of his and it life. sucks because like I really like him. Like he seems like a good guy. He seems like the type of player that has a good work ethic. He like tries to do everything right. It's just like you know at some point he found a monkey's paw and wished to be picked in the first round. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, he'll be he'll be some other team's <laughs> yeah. Robbie Fabry. It's like well, you're going to be picked in the first round. Oh great, and you also get a Froger. But the Froger is cursed. <laughs> playing career will be cursed. Um, okay, so yeah, that's all the RFAs. Um, so if you are listening and you're interested in uh, talking about a certain player, you can feel free to talk about in the comments, um, or even just you know go into quick hits and say I was listening to the Wim Radio podcast and I thought about this, and you can start a discussion in there because uh, a lot of times the the podcast doesn't get as many comments, um, which. I'll be honest, like for a while I used to be like, oh man, why is nobody commenting? And then I remembered how many, po- how many podcasts I listened to and how many times I felt like I needed to find a way to make a comment about it. And it's almost 0%. <laughs> you know, even if I really like the podcast, I'm not like searching out a way to give feedback on it. So, um, you know, take a look at that. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take another quick break. Uh, we come back, we have, um, actually, <laughs> on the last uh, podcast uh, episode comments, somebody asked a question about the expansion draft, um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to get to today's um, reader questions. Wim Radio, ad timeout. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's play. All right, and welcome back. Uh, before we get to this week's reader questions, we had um, a question comment that uh, was talked about in our last podcast episode in the article. And so we wanted to address that first before we get to this week's uh, questions. So, um, this comes from reader Jason Horror, and he says, Re uh, next season's roster. Something I think may have been over- overlooked, um, and he says he hadn't finished the episode, but I don't think we talked about it, is the Seattle expansion draft and the roster requirements we need to meet. Uh, that said, I think we almost have to sign a free agent goalie, if for nothing else, than uh, to have someone to expose for the Seattle draft. Um, so as the person who spent far too long of his life researching and writing about the Vegas expansion draft. Um, I, I have an answer for this. Um, so um, if you're interested in expansion draft in the future, if you go onto the cat friendly site, they have a really great tool uh, where they show as of right now, who needs to be protected as of right now, who would qualify for the exposure requirements. Um, and basically we have one goalie right now that would qualify who is Caden Fulcher. And um, it seems likely that Philip Larson would also qualify um, by the time the expansion draft happens. And for that, I mean, would qualify to be exposed. Um, Obviously, we don't know exactly what the goalie situation will be at the time, um, but the you know from doing this this series the the only thing you really have to worry about is making sure you have somebody that can be exposed that would fit their exposure requirements so that you don't have to in you know say for example expose a goalie you don't want to have to expose um and so if you're worried about that it seems like it'll be fine um from doing this article uh last time there were teams going you know like a month or two away from the expansion draft and they had you know oh we didn't have enough defensemen to expose um and it seemed like they didn't really have a problem of obtaining somebody that would qualify um also just in case if you're interested because this came up in our internal discussion um you have to uh, protect a goalie. Uh, you don't have the option of going just like, yeah, we're not going to protect anybody. Uh, you have to protect the goalie. Um, they have the two expansion protection protocols uh, or options, I guess. They have seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie, or you can go eight skaters and one goalie if you want to protect more than three defensemen. Uh, but you do have to protect a goalie. So if you were wondering about that, uh, I checked with somebody who works for one of the NHL teams and they confirmed that. So um, just in case, if you were wondering, that is the answer for that. So, yay, expansion draft. Who's excited? Yay. yay. <laughs> Steve Eiserman's excited. Exactly. That's who's excited. Yeah. Um, now, as, it, as we get closer to it, we will have more content of it. Um, I'll definitely be writing, you know, some articles. I don't know. 
I don't know if I'm going to have the uh, the patience to go back and do the entire series again like last time because that was very mentally draining. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, maybe by the time it gets closer, I will have forgotten how uh, draining it was, and I will I will volunteer to do it again. Uh, and then after the first article, I will remember. Uh, so before, uh, before I ramble too much, I'm going to toss it to JJ for our favorite segment this week and every week, which is our reader questions. All right. So I will start us off by just saying thank you for uh, your patience and understanding with me at O-Line. <laughs> I hope I got that right, but I do appreciate that you told me last week that you actually don't care if I did or not. So um, starting off with uh, Dan Borsma says, salary cap opportunity. If the cap declines sharply as expected, some contending teams may struggle to get under the cap. This might prevent might present opportunity for the Wings to get draft picks in exchange for picking up contract or two, more so than other seasons. Any good candidates to look at? Uh, I did mention that uh, last week, um, the idea of, of taking on Henrik Lundqvist. But other than that, I, I don't know of any teams that are like really starting to struggle with that. Plus, if the salary cap takes a uh, really strong drop, they are talking about potentially allowing compliance buyouts, but there is... The opportunity there. Peter, does anybody jump out to you? Um, this is a little bit tough because I'm looking at Cap Friendly and I'm having I'm having this really weird feeling because I'm looking at the top and I don't see Detroit um, in terms of final cap hit because usually I'm used to seeing them like in a special tier above everybody else. Um, and they're they're way near the bottom, which is kind of crazy. But um, the only thing is like like right now they're talking about the final cap hit, but that's for this season. Um, and I don't know how many of these teams are going to kind of be like Detroit and having contracts come off. So as next year, they're not going to be too high. Um, the, the obvious one that jumps out to me is Toronto. Um, just because, you know, there's been cap questions about them, uh, with even without the idea of the salary cap decreasing, um, so far, apparently, uh, Kyle Dubas has blackmail on every other GM because every time they come into some type of salary cap situation, somebody bails them out. Uh, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe his nine lives have run out. And that is a th- that is a crazy mixed metaphor there. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely be looking at Toronto. Um, I will say I haven't looked into this too carefully, so I can't really tell you any specific players I'm thinking of. Um What's really weird to me right now is I'm looking at the top and I never would have guessed the top team if I wasn't looking at it right now because it's the Arizona Coyotes. So nice. I cannot name I cannot name one player on their team right now to save my own life. I have no idea who's on their team. Yeah, Taylor um, Hall, Phil Kessel. I mean, Oliver X. I think maybe you know because because you know Arizona does have a history of getting a lot of prospects. Um, Obviously, some of them haven't panned out, but um, if they – I was reading something about, like, with Taylor Hall, and it does seem like John Chaka is committed to not having him just be a rental, uh, that they want to re-sign him long-term. And I think if they do that, then maybe. Uh, but at the same time, I haven't looked closely enough to see if they have other big contracts coming off the books that would mean that they're not going to be at the top. It's a really interesting question. Um, maybe I'll have time to look uh, for next week's show, and then I can kind of follow up on that next week. I make no promises, though. <laughs> All right. Sarah, anything, uh, anybody stand out to you? So the one team that I know is in, is going to be in trouble is the Penguins. 
or as I called them earlier, the business geese. <laughs> so the Pittsburgh business geese, um, they're going to have to dump. I, th- I think they'd have to dump players, even if the caps stay the same. Um, and if we can't get Henrik Lundqvist, then maybe we go fishing for uh, Tristan Jerry, or they've got a guy like Casey DeSmith, I think maybe played a couple of games, and he's probably in the AHL somewhere. I don't want Matt Murray. Don't do it, Steve. It's a trap. Um, but yeah, and I'm pretty sure that Tampa is in trouble also, um, but I don't really have any specific players in mind, but I think those two teams, and I mean, no one knows Tampa better than Steve, so he may work work something there because he, he would know what to do. But, yeah, de- yeah. yeah, definitely Tampa, I think, too, now that I think about it, yeah. Yeah, so that would kind of be my, my guess, is that he would work some deal with, with Tampa. Okay, uh, question number two on this, and I'll let you uh, use yeah. this one first, Sarah. Who is your dark horse prospect to make a big impact, i.e. drafted fourth round or later? Oh, God. Philip Larson. I have been on the Philip Larson train, and I still am. I'm probably going to be driving it until he's gone, and then I'll <laughs> grieve forever. Um, you know, I need a goalie to latch on to now that Jimmy has sunsetted, to put it nicely. <laughs> So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my, put my hopes and dreams on Philip Larson. That's my, that's my dark horse candidate. Yeah. All right, Peter, don't steal my answer. Oh God, um, so much pressure. Um, I apologize if this is yours. Mine is Elmer Solderblom. Damn it! <laughs> the big, the big man. It wasn't for that injury. It would have been Kinemaki. Uh, it would have been Otto Vantaini, which is your your phrase. Um, well, here, how about this? Okay. So I'll say the name, and you say why you would pick him. I watched him in the the prospects tourney, and like I was expecting just like this big, like lurch, doofy guy to you know like it was it was a reach for a, a picky you because know, by the time it was sixth round, so by this time it's like who the hell cares? It's a tall guy, and if a tall guy is is able to to at least not look like drunk Big Bird, then cool. <laughs> um, no, he looks like he's got like actual hockey skill, and he looks like he knows at least how to use his eyes, and that's from a very small sample size. But uh, I'm I'm high on him. Mm. That get it? Yeah. No, I mean for me, like it's the same reason. Um, I thought he looked really good there, um, and <laughs> I think I was I think I think I was talking to Will uh, from Scouching about him. I know it was one of those guys. It might have been Dylan Galloway, but I think it was Will, and he he had mentioned how how impressed he was uh, about Soderblom watching him this past season. Um, you know, he's like, I thought, I thought he was a, a, like, he was a good pick at number six. Cause obviously like you're, you know, those are all kind of picks that are, you know, more often than not, they're never going to play in the NHL. Uh, but he said like, you know, especially for a six round pick, he definitely has potential uh, to, to kind of make it. So I'm excited for that. And then the third of Dan Borsman's question, Peter, can you trust a person that only spells a word one way? Um, I don't really know how to answer this. <laughs> I'm guessing is this is this a reference to the title of his post where it says salary cap instead of salary cap? I'm guessing yes. That's my guess. Um, so I sure yes. I I I, only, I, I can trust a person that only spells a word one way. I'm not really sure. What the like like <laughs> what each answer means? I'm gonna go get yes. 
<laughs> Sarah, can you trust us to somebody who only spells a word one way? Yes, and here's why. Because I often am not sure how to spell words. Or, I mean, I don't do the, like, the U, the Canadian U. Um, but, like, I had an argument with someone about the word canceled and whether or not you use <laughs> one L or two Ls, and I do it interchangeably. And I should not be trusted. Therefore, I will trust people who spell words one way because I don't, and I don't trust myself. So. <laughs> oh, that's a really good answer. Yeah, I, was, I hadn't thought about that. Is it? Um, you can never trust the 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 people who make puns, and they never spell words the same way. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that you you're, you're both right. Um, and you know, if you're musically inclined, I could spell trouble anyway. So. Yeah. With a capital T. Exactly. All right. Um. MC Fubar, the, uh, the champion of great questions, actually asked a pending RFA question that we didn't already cover. Um, out of the wings pending RFAs, who most likely could be dealt this offseason for another team's RFA that is a simil- in a similar situation or not fitting in for the long-term plan of the team? Like the Fabry, Perlini, Ernie trades that Eisman has made. Are, are there any... I, I hesitate to say, because we've, we've pretty well covered the, the Red Wings, but in, in terms of looking around at the, the rest of the league's uh, pending RFAs, are there possibilities of doing kind of a change of scenery switch? Um, Peter, I'm going to give this one to you, because there, you've, you've got favor that's, that's on that RFA oh, I list. I do, I do, I do. Um, I was trying to see if there's anything else I wanted to say, but yes. Um, I am going to say... Um, Based on our discussion before, would be Evgeny Sveshnikov for Josh Hosang. Oh, I like that. That is that is big risk, big reward. Yep. But yeah, mainly because as much as I don't want to say it, I don't think Sveshnikov is ever going to be a regular NHL player for us. I, I I wish that wasn't true. I just don't. I just I just don't see it. Um, uh, maybe it's a curse. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. But um, I am, I am willing. I, I I've been a big proponent of trying to get Josh Hosang as change of scenery. Um, I will readily admit that I could be completely wrong, and it could have nothing to do with that. But I think uh, from what I've seen when I've seen him play, I think there's enough upside there that I would be willing to make a bet. Right on, Sarah. Anybody that uh, you've got somebody in, in Washington, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Christian Jews is like the juice. I like him, but I'm biased because he played in Hershey, and so I got to actually watch him. Um, so sure, I'll take that. Um, I've I think I've said it now and in previous episode. Trade for a goalie, um, even if you just dump them after you know one year. We need somebody, and maybe a trade would be the way to go. There's also this really interesting player. Um, in Edmonton, named Andre Athanasiou, <laughs> that maybe we... Who? <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do it, Steve. That would be silly. Um, but, yeah, there's no no one that I'm like, oh, snatch him up. But I would be okay with your your Josh Hosang idea. I'd be fine with that. Earlier... Yeah, sorry. Go go, no, go ahead. Uh, I would be with the Athanasiou trade just to see the Twitter meltdown. That's fair. That's valid. Earlier you said you couldn't name a player on the Coyotes. There is a pending RFA that we're not sure how he's going to fit with them in the future. His name is Vili Sariarvi. 
<laughs> but I, I think that we can either trade get Athanasiu back or we can get Hoseng back because my thought on Hoseng is he would fill the Athanasiu size hole left in the fan base of the guy who is confident in his own abilities and for some reason that drives other people crazy. Hmm. So I, I don't think we could get away with having both on the back on the roster. So we, <laughs> we either we have to get one or the other. Um, take mm-hmm. your pick. Yeah, the beat writers need someone to yell at and blame everything on. So, got to bring one of those guys in, fill that hole. Exactly. Philpo is not yeah. going to cut it. The ghost of Erickson's pass if finishes out the lag for us. Says I've been thinking a lot about the Red Wings team North America team Europe question from the other day. And if you didn't see that, that was the Red Wings posted an all-time roster of guys from North America versus an all-time roster from guys from the rest of the world, and said who wins. And so we had a fun day and quick hits arguing about that. But the question is, I was wondering, do you think the line of how Eiserman Lindsay is the best line that could be put forward by any team in NHL history? Or do you think another team might be able to compete for that mint, i.e. Messier, Gretzky, yeah. someone else? Um, so I have strong opinions. <laughs> oh, man. Huh. Sir, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I can. Oh, okay. I'll go first. You sound like you're thinking, and I'm not going to yeah. think. So this is going to be great. Um, I'm taking Ted Lindsay off that line, and I just. I'm not sure who the who I'd want as three players, but I just really like the idea of Gordy Howe just plowing people out of the way while Datsuk is doing Datsuk mm-hmm. things. I think that would be really fun. Um, I know somebody is probably going to say Fedorov, but I'm going to throw that name out there too. That would be me, yeah. Uh, hmm. But yeah, I'm not I'm not sure who I would swap in for uh, for Ted Lindsay, but that I think we can do better. And Peter, you should tell everyone hmm. why. Well, I feel bad because, um, well, not feel bad, but like, I feel weird saying this because I do agree with uh, Prashanth when he, <laughs> he he talked to us before this about what he would do um, with, you know, Messier, Gretzky, McDavid. Like, for me, it's kind of hard to argue with that being a really amazing line. Um, I thought of a really good one for Colorado. I'm not going to say it because screw Colorado. Um, <laughs> this is this is a really good question, though. Um I do agree that you'd have to have if this was if if you were doing the Red Wings line you kind of have to have Fedorov. Um, I think you could argue about maybe I don't know I I think Eisen would de- definitely be on I think you could argue about the third one. Um, I don't know this yeah this is a really this is a really interesting one I was I was trying to think if there's any ones that I could think of from other teams, um, and the problem is like a lot of the ones are like lines from the same era you know and i think the idea here is to mix them up you know um you know i was trying to think of like you know you know with the islanders dynasty if you could take um you know bossy i mean bossy's one of the all-time great goal scorers like you know but then who would you put him with you know you could put him with trottier i mean that would be really good but then who would the third player be you know you'd probably say nystrom because you know (laughs) that was the line back then um I know Islander fans would probably crucify you if you said Tavares, <laughs> but I like, like I don't know who, I don't know who the third player would be. You know, um, I don't know. I, I think it's a really interesting one. I think it's really hard to argue with Gretzky, McDavid, and then Messi. I mean, you could even switch Messier out for like Yari Curry, or um, I'm sure there's probably somebody else I'm not thinking of, uh, just because how loaded those teams were. 
Um, so, JJ, what, what do you think the correct answer is? Like Sarah said, and I really hate to, to – disrespect Ted Lindsay like that by taking him off of this line um, because I think that Ted Lindsay might be um, honestly the most important player in the history of the NHL because of what he did for the NHLPA. Um, Skill-wise, the guy was a monster in his day, but the day that Ted Lindsay played is, is significantly different. And I know that, that he and, and Gordy overlapped uh, a lot and, and we we talked about this. Like I still think Gordy would be able to hang in today's NHL. Like he was, he was a, uh, a hulking monster at six foot two oh five back in his day. It was six foot two oh five was kind of average nowadays, but still, it was Gordy Howe, and he was he was really good. So, but still, even then, like you've got Messier, Gretzky, McDavid uh, from Edmonton. You've got Yager, Lemieux, and Crosby from Pittsburgh, that's yeah. that's tough to, to put up against. If I get the the Red Wings and I'm I'm saying, okay, you have to play five on five hockey and let's just put those three forwards together with they all get the exact the exact copies of, of the same two defensemen, take your pick, I don't care. Um, and we are playing head to head, then my Red Wings pick might actually be Tatsu, Geiserman, and Fedorov, just because I, I think that that's that's the shutdown line against any other team's potential top three. And Fedorov is just kind of an X factor in that if if he's feeling it that specific game, there's not somebody out there who's going to stop him. Yeah. Um, actually, I had a thought where you're talking, and and I don't know if this would match up with the the Pittsburgh line or the um, Edmonton line that you mentioned, or even the, the, the Red Wings lines, but I think it would just be a very fun line to watch would be the Sedins and Pavel Bure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like just imagine like the playmaking ability of the Sedins with like the kind of, you know, knowing where everybody is and then the game breaking speed and finishing of Pavel Bure. Like that would be incredible. And then just for fun, we just make one of those defensemen like Andreas Lilia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But and, and, like I think that's a great question. Like I really like that question. Yeah, we could go around for hours on that, but we've we have run out of out of questions and uh, out of out of time. It seems we actually went a lot longer than I thought we were going to. This is great, Pete. I'm going to kick it back to you for the the final goodbyes because that's that's the host job, and I'm just the, the questions guy. <laughs> well, um, so on behalf of all of us, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, like we said, Kyle can't be here uh, this time. Hopefully, he can be back next week or the week after. Um, cause I, you know, there, there's a while he wasn't really on and I really enjoyed being able to talk to him again the last uh, couple episodes. Uh, and I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed hearing him again. Um, so yeah, we definitely, you know, definitely looking forward to that. Um, also for our listeners in the, uh, you know, coming up, we might hopefully be able to get Prashanth back on. Uh, he was actually, I think he was going to jump on tonight, but he had to record this other podcast or whatever with somebody, uh, Max or whatever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, so we talked about that before. His uh, his podcast with Max Boltman, uh, Wings for Breakfast, is a fantastic listen. Um, and you should definitely check that out as well. Um, but yeah, it would be awesome to have him back on in the near future. Um, so before we go, any last um, – I'm not even going to say hockey-related thoughts. I'm just going to say any last thoughts, anything you guys want to close out the show with, anything – uh, that is on your mind. Stay inside. Stay. Stay safe. <laughs> yeah. Try, do Take try, care. Well, try to get outside and breathe actual air, um, but not within yeah. breathing. 
space to anyone else. <laughs> um, but yeah, everybody just stay safe and hang out on Twitter and I'll send you some memes. <laughs> and, and also uh, last, uh, the, the last shout out for it. If you didn't get a chance to check out the uh, Red Wings official awards, uh, I'm, I'm using the word official in quotation marks, but I mean it with every ounce <laughs> of my heart. Uh, the, the Red Wings uh, Twitter awards. Um, Sarah went above and beyond as always. She did a fantastic job. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be given the honor of making one of the Photoshop awards, which was a lot of fun. Um, so, so that was great. But um, Sarah, as always, does an amazing job with that. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, check it out on Twitter. Uh, you can look her up uh, at Helmeroids, and you can just go back and find the threads there. Um, it's a fantastic uh, – it was a very fun night. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed seeing the people's responses to everything. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, so on behalf of everybody from Winging It Motown, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back at you um, next week. Winging It. I'm Winging It Motown. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>